Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. Today's guest has been in the acquisitions game for over 10 years and has been a part of 40 acquisitions. Yep, 40 acquisitions in her career. So she knows a lot about leading organizations and people through change. Tammy Polk is the Chief Human Resource Officer at Formstack. But what you really need to know about Tammy is her number one piece of advice for leaders when supporting teams through transformation. She says, you have to talk to people, listen to them and ask them, what are the monsters in your head and how can we help? Listen in as she breaks down her human-centered approach to leading through change and how to navigate the tension with leaders who don't share that philosophy. Check it out. As I look back on my career, it has been one where I look back and I think, wow, the impossible was really fun. And I've done some impossible things as I look back, but it's been fun. I've learned so much about myself, about leadership, about those that I'm leading, about those that went before me and mentored me. And it's been an incredible journey. It all started when I was 24 and at Albertsons, which was a publicly traded company. And I started in the warehouse industry and Ray Klang was my general manager and he took me under his wing and he just invited me to everything alongside of him. He taught me to be involved in the business. He let me negotiate with the unions at the age of 24 years old. I don't know what he saw in me other than I was feisty and sassy and and I could handle union, Teamster union negotiations. And with that, he taught me really the art of, as a human resources person, you need to understand every part of your business to be most effective in human resources. And then obviously with negotiating with unions, I learned that negotiating skill, which was immensely helpful throughout my career. How fortunate at the age of 24 that you had somebody like Ray that took you under his wing. Did you recognize at the time, like, wow, this is great mentoring I'm getting? Or did you have any context to even know that? I had no clue. I was fresh out of college and he saw my potential and just said, you're going to walk with me through this whole journey. In fact, I followed him from Denver, Colorado to Portland, Oregon. So we opened a warehouse, a million square foot warehouse in Portland, Oregon which was non-union. And so I went from a union environment in Denver to a non-union environment, which was triple the size. So we we tripled the size of employees. And so I'm so grateful for him to this day that he he saw something in me and said, we're going to shape you. And it didn't stop there. Yeah. And no doubt that's why you are one of the drivers of your passion for mentoring is that you had that personal experience so early in your career. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love mentoring. In fact, my team is very young, most of them fresh out of college. And they're, they bring a level of excitement and passion that you forget about when you've been in business for a lot of years. And so you just have to bridle that a little bit. You don't ever want to kill their spark. You want to let them run and give them enough reins, not to hang themselves, but to really excel and figure out what their potential is. <laughs> Yeah. And you've used that word and you talked about Ray seeing that potential in you. What's the impact of that? Mm, I think it gives people confidence. When you see more 
more potential in somebody than they see in themselves. They realize that they're better than they are. They get rid of that imposter syndrome that we see so many times in young people that they just don't believe they're good enough for whatever reason that may be. But when you see it, that when they have that curiosity and that passion for something, let them run in that area and see what they can do and guide them along the way, but just let them run. Yeah. Well, and I do think at our core, we all want to be seen. We all want to be like valued for what we bring. And so having someone notice something in you, like, as you say, of course, that's going to bring confidence and, and encourage people to step up and do things maybe they wouldn't have without that encouragement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I think about my next major mentor was one where I was in my first executive role. And so that was at a startup company called Fellowship Technologies. And Jeff Hook was my mentor there. And he taught me as a first-time executive how to navigate. By the way, I was the only female executive as well. And so how to navigate the business side of HR and how do we really direct that business? We were able to grow that business and then sell that business. That was my very first acquisition. And I learned so much in that process during the due diligence. I learned that I I gave my opinion wholeheartedly many, many times when I probably shouldn't have. And I broke some relationships in that as I did that. I felt like we were better as a leadership team than the acquiring company. And so I was very cocky and confident in what we brought to the table, even though they were the bigger fish in that acquisition. And so looking back on that self-awareness was not really there at that time when I was with my first acquisition. Well, and some of that though, no doubt, some of that, so it sounds like you over-rotated on confidence and putting yourself out there, but no doubt that served you well. I mean, that got you, you said you were the only female executive in that environment. Yes. So tell me about that. Cause that, yeah, it's almost like you had to be some of that to get there. So how do you balance that? What is your advice today? I think many times women over rotate because you can't show emotion. You have to compartmentalize and you have to really create male tendency behaviors if you're going to thrive in that environment. You have to learn to talk about football. I don't care about football. But at that time, I had to learn to care about football so that I could fit into that environment and adjust. Have you seen a shift in that, Tammy? Just Yes, a complete yeah. shift. This was 15 years ago. So it's amazing, even in 15 years, how far we have come. Oh, yes. Yes, by all means. And most executive teams now are at least 50-50 female and male. Mm-hmm. And so, in fact, my last executive team was all females, one male. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was a completely rock star team, no doubt. <laughs> yes. Yes. A completely different dynamic in that way. So, but that's really where my self awareness came into play, where I learned, I worked with Insights Discovery, which is a personality profile company. And I became a facilitator of that. And I learned so much about myself. And Where were my blind spots and where was I over rotating when I shouldn't really be? I needed to be who I was, not who I was trying to be in that environment. And so I had the opportunity to really learn about myself there. Oh, I got to just stop on that. Like being who I am, not who I thought 
I needed to be. Mm-hmm. How did you come to that? So clearly the insights was really helpful. How did you come to being who you are? I think the impact of self-awareness brought me to the stage where I said, it is okay for me to be who I am. I am Tammy Ellen Polk, and I am a force to be reckoned with most of the time. I need to temper that some of the time. And I need to help people understand that they can run fast with me, but I don't expect them to run fast with me. Mm -hmm. And I think that also helped shape me as I had a good team under me where they were all introverts. And so I had to learn to deal with introverts when I'm a complete extrovert. Mm -hmm. And adjusting to their style Mm -hmm. and they would help me adjust to their style. Mm. For example, I had one employee, the minute she walked in the door, I would hit her with nine things that she needed to do. (laughs) And she's like, you can't do that. The minute I walk in the door, there's a bubble around me and you don't get to talk to me for the first hour. Right. Right. And so she shaped me in that way. So learning from my team, learning from my peers is really been very, very helpful in that. And then I had another mentor, Alex, and Alex would sit in meetings with me. And if I interrupted someone, or if I gave my opinion too wildly, (laughs) he would say the pink elephant walks backwards at midnight. And I would know that, that I needed to shut up and let others take the floor. That's code word for Tammy. Your blind spots are showing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, this is so good. So I want to just, I want to stop for a second because you said, I am a force and I need to temper that sometimes. But So what I hear in that is your being who you are coexists with adapting and recognizing what other people need. And you've built these relationships with people that feel comfortable saying, hey, Tammy, the pink elephant. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you mean by tempering. So it's not not being who you are. It's who you are and. I love the way you said that. Who I am and. Absolutely. I have learned to adapt and adjust to others so that I can get the most potential out of them and they can have their most potential because my staff isn't healthy if I'm intruding on the way that they need to work. So for example... I, again, I work with lots of introverts. I surround myself with introverts because they're really strong people and they are silently productive and very wise because they sit back and they listen and they observe. And I love that about them. I've also learned to give my introverts three days to think about things because I will make a decision in a split second, but I know my introverts need time to gather the data and to think about things and to think about all the potential outcomes. I don't need that. I'm just going to make a decision. And so we come to a conclusion in three days. And if they can't make a decision in three days, I will make that decision for them because I'm the leader and I have to make a decision around something. But I give them three days to do all their analysis, but they can't get paralyzed in their analysis. And so we've come to compromise on the way and the style of working. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, so you, you're you enabling them to act. You're giving them time to process and do what they need to do. But there's a, hey, we're making a decision here. Or you'll step in. Absolutely, absolutely well. Yeah. So it's interesting because one of my last companies that I worked with, it was I was brought in to flip it because that's 
what I've been doing for the last few years in the PE world. And this particular HR team had about 16 people in it. It was a 200 person company and nobody was doing anything to their strength. And so we all took the insights profile. We looked at everybody's strengths and we moved everybody around. Not, no one was doing the same job when we left that company that they were starting because they were not productive. They were not happy. They were miserable because they were all doing things that were their weaknesses, not their strengths. And so I think if you can align people's strengths to their job roles, you have a much better engagement of the employee and more productivity for the company. People are just happier because they feel comfortable and confident in what they're doing. And I think that was probably my most fun team because it was so out of whack Mm. that once we aligned it, it was amazing what we could do. How do you do that? I mean, just give, break down this example. How did you align people with their strengths? What were the steps you took? So first of all, we took the insights. We figured out where their strengths were. They had more self-awareness. So they realized where their strengths were, where their weaknesses were, and they aligned with that. So first of all, you have to get them to agree to what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. Great. Assessment around what you're really great at, where you get energy. Yeah. What do you like to do? Mm-hmm. And then you try things out. I think that's where people fall short is that they don't let people try things. And so you talk to them, you say, well, what do you want to try? Well, right now we're, we're working on restructuring our form stack HR team. And so I just had these conversations this week. We have two employees that are one's doing sourcing, one's doing recruiting. Well, we're fully staffed now in the company. And so our recruiting is slowing down a little bit. So they're going to be bored. So I'm like, okay, what else do you want to do? Well, one of them wants to get more involved in benefits. So guess what? Six hours a day, she's now going to do benefits. And if she doesn't like it, she doesn't have to do it anymore. She's going to try it out and she can go back to sourcing after that. We have one recruiter that wants to get into learning and development. So guess what? Six hours a day, she's going to do learning and development. If she finds she doesn't like to stand up in front of people and give presentations, she doesn't have to do it. She can go back to recruiting. And so it's all about trial and error. You have to give people the opportunity to try things and not necessarily fail, but see if they even like it. And you just keep moving them around. And you can do that in HR because you've got total rewards, you've got benefits, you've got data insights, you've got learning and development, you've got recruiting. So there's so many places within HR that they can go and try things and then they can see what they really like. Oh, and it takes the pressure off. Yeah. Yes. Because if you don't like it, you can try something else. Yeah. I love the freedom in that. Yes. Yeah. And it's okay. It's safe for them to say, I don't like this. Right. Okay. That's perfectly fine. Well, it's a really good point. You have created an environment for people to say, Hey, this is not for me. I want to try something else. Yep. That's key. But I suspect that you've done that partly because of this whole self-awareness process. You're not just jumping into trying things. You're jumping, you're, you're starting with, let's take a step back and really assess what gives you energy, what doesn't, and then we'll try some things. So you're building trust and credibility before you offer that up. So I said in the intro that you've been in the business of flipping companies for a long time, a decade. Mm-hmm. And when we first talked to Tammy, you really highlighted the human centric approach. And I hear that playing out in what you're describing. I mean, you starting with the individual and who they are and what gives them energy and lights them up. 
Absolutely. I think the more that you can feed into your team and the people on your team, the more productive they're going to be for you because they're going to trust you. They're going to want to never let you down. And I'm not doing it because I'm putting fear in them that they would let me down. That's not it at all. It's not a fear-based. It is a respect-based dynamic. And I also have to look at, do their personal values match my values, the company values, not necessarily mine, Mm. but do we align on certain things that we're always going to have high integrity? That's one of my things. We're always, as HR, we're going to always have quick response times. We're going to have quick resolution as much as we can. We're always going to be curious. We're going to question every process, every way we do something. Is there a better way to do it? We're going to support the business. And so do I have team members that are willing to do those things, that are willing to respond quickly? They may not know the answer right then and there, but they'll be able to say, I'm researching this answer right now and I will get back to you. That's a response to me. Mm -hmm. So that at least someone knows that we care about what they have to say and we can give the right answer, not a quick answer. Yeah, you're really leaning into who they are and what they value to determine if there's a connection there. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt throughout your career, you've worked with leaders who don't share your human-centric philosophy. (laughs) It's a business and it's black and white, Tammy, and we just need to do this with these people. And how have you navigated that? It's a growth process for me. I've had some great leaders that are aligned with my same values, and I've had some great leaders that are not aligned with my values. What the goals were different for those leaders. And so one was out to make money, one was out to build a company. And so, although I worked with many, many, but the bottom line is you have to be profitable if you're going to stay in business. And so, how you get there is a very different dynamic for each business that you're in. I've been in public, I've been in private, I've been in private equity, I've been in startups. And so each leader, each CEO had a different motive. And what I thought maybe I could adjust to didn't always work out for me. And so what I would do is I would create the best practices. I would recognize that I wasn't aligned with this leader's values. And I would make sure that he was okay, or she was okay. And I would set my team up for success. I would find the successor. I would give them enough notice that they could backfill me. And then I would leave because that was not the tension between my moral compass and the business was two different things. Hmm. So you had to make some tough decisions along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I think unless you make tough decisions in your life, and I think all of the experiences that I've had I've still remained friends with every one of those CEOs. And to this day, I could call any one of them and they would pick me up in five seconds. And they know that I'm there for them to support them throughout their life and throughout their career. We just had different ideas. Yeah. Well, and I know there's one particular story where like you did leave because of that misalignment. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I think the biggest thing was it was all about the profit and cutting costs. It was also a really tough environment to work in. And that was the exact situation where I said, when the benefits got cut and our employees could not receive autism benefits for their autistic children, I said, I can't do it anymore. Mm. And 
So we're, we're now dehumanizing everything all for the dollar and I can't do it. And so let me set you up for success. I'll make sure I have a successor and you can do that. And I gave two months notice and set them up appropriately and, and was able to walk away. How did you feel walking away from that? It was hard for me because I had built a great team and I was walking away from people that I loved. And yeah, it was hard for me. Yeah. But I knew it was the right thing for me. And some of those people followed me. I've had lots of people follow me throughout their career and and at different points in time. I still talk to that CEO quite frequently. He was doing what he needed to do. I was doing what I needed to do. I so appreciated when I asked about how do you navigate that with leaders who have, don't have the same philosophy. And you said, well, sometimes your goals are different. It's not that he or she's a bad person. We just have different goals. Yeah. We just have different goals and see the situation different. I appreciate that, that growth orientation. And because then it's not about them. It's just, they just have a different lens on this right now. Yeah. He had different pressures than I had. He sheltered me from some of the pressures that he was getting from the board. And, and I appreciate that about him. Yeah but I still couldn't do it. And right. And frankly, he didn't necessarily agree with it either, but he had to execute on it. Right. So I suspect there was some respect in that for yeah. seeing you say, Hey, I, I can't be a part of this anymore. Yeah. So now, you know, as you think about all of the experiences you've had through these acquisitions, what is your greatest piece of advice to organizations going through transition acquisition transformation, what is the most important thing in the change leadership? Mm. I think the biggest thing is talk to people and listen to people. And what I mean by that is people create monsters in their head because not every employee gets to know the full story behind an acquisition or the full financial decisions behind an acquisition. And they shouldn't because not everybody can handle that information. And so what I would say is, I ask this question of anybody that I'm acquiring, tell me what the monsters are in your head so we can deal with them. Because the easiest way to do that is just to be open and honest and real. Tell me what the monsters are. Because you're, you're asking them to name their fears. They may not even know what they are. So I, it's so empowering to like, okay, yeah, I really need to think about like, what is it that I'm struggling with here? Yeah, it's all about the relationships. because. In acquisitions, if you can build good, trusting relationships, you can integrate much easier, more quickly, and helping everybody adjust. Now, also knowing that everybody manages change differently. Some people are slower at change. Some people like me are quick to change. I'm like, okay, fine, I can pivot in five seconds. All right, we're doing this, let's move. Other people, it takes months. And how do you nurse them along with you for those people like me that have already changed and I've accepted it and moved on and right. taken 15 minutes to grieve my loss and now I'm good. And you're like, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what's next? Where are we going now? Yeah. As a leader, you have to understand that not everybody can pivot like that. So how do you help them adjust along the way without enabling bad behaviors? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's why they call you the Taminator. <laughs> I've had many names. <laughs> the Taminator's one. I will say I cried when I first heard I was the Taminator and then I laughed about it. <laughs> well, it's a par for the course being a force that you are a force and you can temper that. Yes. With intentionality at times. 
You've mentioned relationships a lot. I want to talk about the relationship with your peers and the CEO and all of these processes, because no doubt that's really important. You know, right now, as a part of Formstack, you're working really closely with Chris Byers, who was on this show a couple of years ago. So talk a little bit about that relationship and how do you navigate that as you're driving change? The one thing that I'm learning from Chris is how to have empathy and care deeply. Like Chris is a really deep feeler and thinker. And Hmm. I'm really learning that from him, which I haven't learned from any other mentor. And so I think that is going to be a challenge for me because that's not my natural instinct because I'm that force, right? I'm the hurricane. He's the Red Cross. And so managing through that, Chris has built an amazing team and we're all very new because of the way that we're we're taking Formstack to the next level of business. And so we're, we're continuing to organically grow the business in such a way that it's going to be very successful in the next three to five years. We're already mm-hmm. successful. And so we have a brand new executive team. And so I have to remember that my first team is the executive team. And my second team is my HR team. Yeah. And so really, we're building those relationships right now. We've all, I've only been there four months. And we have two executives that have only been there three months. And so we're just now navigating who we are as a team. Mm -hmm. And I will say we're all anxious to get there fast because that's the nature of who we are. And so we laughed at our last exec meeting because we were like, I said something about, can I get a break? I've only been here four months. And they were like, what? You've only been here four months? (laughs) Feels like you've been here for 10 years. And I'm like, I have not been here 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're taking time to form as a team and it does take time, doesn't it? It does. But I so appreciate your mindset of first team because you, the executive team is setting the tone for the entire organization. You got to get that right. Absolutely. That's so good. Well, and shout out to Lindsay McGuire in marketing with Formstack who hosts your podcast. She does. So she made this connection and Yeah. What a dynamo she is. I mean, there's so much great talent across that organization. Lindsay's a good example of that. There really is. And I'm super excited to be a part of Formstack. I think culturally relationships matter and results matter. And I will say that we are really strong on the relationship side of the house. And I'm so proud of what they've built over the last 10, 15 years and super excited to just add more onto that and grow the company. Absolutely. Well, and the results come so much more easily when those relationships are strong. Absolutely. Because that's when people are feeling connected and part of something. Absolutely. No doubt engagement and performance is going to go up. Yes. Great. Well, Tammy, this is so helpful. I mean, you have provided such good insight on leading through acquisition, leading through change with a human-centric approach, really starting with creating awareness because self-awareness is where it starts, as we know, really feeding into people you know, helping people align what they're doing every day with where they're best and where they have energy. You talked a lot about values. So ensuring that there's a values match, you shared such a great story of when there wasn't that match for you and making the hard decision to leave, but how that drove respect and you still have a relationship with that CEO today. So thank you so much for highlighting all of that goodness. If our listeners want to connect with you, Tammy, what's the best way to do that? LinkedIn is probably the best way to connect and happy or go through Andrea, happy to connect that way as well. Awesome. 
Well, you are a force, Taminator. The nickname serves you well. And I'm so glad to know you and learn from you. So thank you for being a guest. Well, thank you. I know we're going to go far together, so it's going to be fun. No doubt. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a Being at Work story. 